Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. 36-yard line of Philly, shotgun snap to Hurts, dropping back, only one person rushing, Hurts looking, standing still, winding up, long pass, it lands at the 20, no one is there, zeros on the clock, it's over, it's over, the Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 on a game-winning field goal. Trailing at 10 at the halftime stop, 24-14. They go on to win 38-35. What a game. I know it's a long ways away. Um, I've been blessed to be on a great team and a great organization with the great players around me. So uh, I just try to I try to leave everything I have to not have any regrets. And obviously, we said we've had a great start to my career, um, but we're just getting to the middle of it now. So I'm just excited to continue to build and try to do whatever I can to be sitting in this seat at Disneyland uh, as many times as possible. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Your wall of sound. Kevin Harlan in the call of Super Bowl 57 on Westwood One. As you heard right here on ESPN Honolulu. And then Patrick Mahomes on SportsCenter earlier today. Uh, you also heard him a little while ago on Canty and Carlin uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu talking about, uh, basically talking about his legacy. Uh, yeah. We talked about it last week, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, you said that uh, if he won Super Bowl 57... He was an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer. You still, uh, you still believing in that? Absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, especially now with all of that talk in the uh, the sports world of him chasing Brady. It's almost mm-hmm. as if we called it. And uh, yeah, what a day yesterday! Just from a football perspective, even if that wasn't the Super Bowl, it was a great game. Anytime you've got two teams that duke it out north of 35 points that's a that's a fun game to watch and some people thought that was going to be a high scoring game mm. um and it it, it kind of had that feeling early when you had uh uh you had that first score of the game which we don't often have touchdowns in the first score of the game uh, or the first drive of the game I should say we don't often get touchdowns in the first quarter of the game in general and when you saw that you kind of feel like okay we're going to get some scoring here. Uh, we'll, we'll get some plays here. 113 million people, by the way, uh, watching Super Bowl 57, third most watched television show in history. Wow. Uh, most watched, I believe, in the last six years. The uh, the record, 114,442. Well, I'm sorry. 114,442,000. Uh, watching New England and Seattle in 2015. Of course, Russell Wilson throwing mm. the football at the one-yard one line instead of them uh, <sighs> running it. That's also, by the way, including... Not a uh, good call. No. Uh, 113 million people, including Fox Deportes, as well as uh, streaming. So it's not all on television, but uh, still a lot of people. And We'll break down a lot of Super Bowl uh, 57 as we go throughout the show today here on Off the Bench. Uh, on ESPN Honolulu, we will uh, we'll, we'll also get into spring practice, which resumes tomorrow. They had an off day today, as as uh, Coach Sheffield had mentioned. Coach Timmy Chang recognizes it's a national holiday. It does. Um, it, it technically <laughs> isn't a national holiday, but uh, Coach Sheffield had a picture of the beach when he was on uh, Twitter earlier. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, basically thanks Coach Timmy Chang for giving them a day off. Football people take yesterday very, very seriously. As they should. 
um, it is it is a big day. We we seem to 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 stop everything, uh, you know, for uh, for for football. In in my mind, in my my family's mind, the only other day that's bigger than Super Bowl Sunday is Masters Sunday. Okay, in April. Um, but when you look at some of the features that were were put out, obviously pop culture is putting their best foot forward. It, it's, yeah. it's show out Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. But even some of the stuff, you know, that, that Johnny Cash um, song of uh, the, the old uh, tattered flag. I missed it. Unbelievable. It, 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 it was moving. Okay. Um, they had a children's choir um, singing America the Beautiful, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the Johnny Cash did this reading um, of a poem that he wrote about this old uh, – about the old tattered flag – or old battered flag, I should say. Okay. And did kind of a montage of everything that the flag had been through. And correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, other than 4th of July, Super Bowl Sunday is a big day for America. Oh, no doubt. Um you know, I, I think it's the one time where a lot of things stop. Yeah. Um, you know, some places they close early. Um, you know, grocery stores have one of their best days of the year. Uh, things stop. You're either at an establishment. Uh, I was at home. Um, whatever you're doing, you kind of find yourself gravitating to that. And if you're not a football fan, you probably watch anyway because of the commercials. Um, or if uh, you're just like Rihanna, you're watching halftime and you're just kind of keeping yourself occupied for the game. Shout out to Umbrella. We opened the show with it. We did. Um, that is a uh, <laughs> and that was the close to the uh, to the Super Bowl performance from Rihanna. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, the performance a little bit later on because I I reevaluated my rating of the performance when I realized she was doing that while pregnant. Yeah, which is uh, when you think back on that, that's pretty astounding. Oh yeah, yeah. I know we'll we'll dive into it later, but the the, the ascending or descending, I should say, descending from the top of the stadium and ascending as well with child. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't know how and why she agreed to that, but she did. Uh, more on that a little bit later on, but uh, there are so many ways to start the show on Super Bowl 57. So, um, you know, instead of kind of going the generic route where, where everybody is, I'm just kind of curious for you. Um, now that the game has ended, yeah. a lot of the reactions have taken place for you. What's the one thing that stands out from the game last night? To me, it's that the Chiefs are not an accident team mm-hmm. and that they are the new version of the New England Patriots. Is that the uh, the dynasty word? I uh, I don't really like dynasty. Uh, I think that it's too subjective that uh, some would say it needs to be a certain amount of wins or a certain amount of appearances to be granted that word dynasty. But uh, AFC, NFC, if you make it deep in the playoffs and are going after a Super Bowl, you're going to have to in my mind, deal with the new, I mean, the, uh, the Kansas city chiefs at some point. Okay. Um, let's build on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, on, on the chiefs or the new Patriots thing. Um, I'll, I'll use the dynasty word. Okay. And I use it because I think windows are shrinking, um, more, more often now as as more teams roll out more money as there is so much that can change every year in the national football league, that it is hard to be a team 
that is there every year. That's what now, you're right. Yeah, what, what is it now? Three years out of four yeah. that the Kansas City Chiefs have been there. Uh, that's hard to do. That's three years out of four, yeah. in and and that's half of Patrick Mahomes' career. Yeah, or, or, you know, playing in a Super Bowl. And when one, you have, two of them. yeah, when you have that consistency with the same head coach, with the same quarterback, some of the other same pieces, and there's no telling when that's going to be broken up. Um, you know, Mahomes will be there for a while. Yeah, Andy Reid has signaled he's not retiring. Um, the question is going to be Eric Bieniemy and whether he can get a head coaching job. You know, he's he's talked about offensive coordinator positions, but uh, that head coaching job still seems to be elusive for him. Um, windows at four years are um, to me it's it's almost telling, and so I would say, or yeah, I would I would I would call that a dynasty mm. in, in being there three out three out of four years and winning two. Yeah. Um, and I guess the qu- the question then becomes how much longer can we expect that Kansas City will will be in this position? I mean, New England with with Tom and, and with Bill, um, you never counted them out every year unless there was some kind of major injury that that we talked about. But other than that, it was almost every year that they were right there. Totally, yeah. It, I think when you we you look at the word dynasty, I think about record, or I think about sustained success over a length of time but what separates the, the the patriots and yeah they are unquestionably a dynasty they are a collection of pieces that work together and mm-hmm. i think the chiefs are the same way when you look at the uh the new england patriots through all of their years, years of success they've always had a fantastic defense phenomenal they've got a great coach maybe one of the best ever in bill belichick he can prepare for his opponents maybe better than anybody then you've got a prolific unbelievable all-time quarterback maybe the best ever Tom Brady all of that combined you get the New England Patriots in the success that they have you've got a similar model over with the Kansas City Chiefs you've got Andy Reid a prolific offensive mind you've got some sustainable pieces like Kelsey uh, a couple of uh, Big hitters on the defense, a great defensive line. That offensive line surrendered no sacks yesterday. Yeah, All of that allows someone like Patrick Mahomes to be Mahomes. It's it's all working together. And another thing that not many people talk about, their front office does not have a, a whole lot of patience for scandal in their locker room. Yeah. You remember what happened with um Andy Reid's son? The, Andy Reid's son, what well, what happened with uh, Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. a few years ago? Right. Even when it was just rumor, he's out. Right. The same thing with New England Patriots. They have a very little tolerance for that kind of stuff. That does not fly at the Patriots. <laughs> Look, pay, uh championships follow that kind of decision making and from the top level, that's what makes winners winners. We'll talk a lot about kind of this angle. Um, I think legitimately we're probably talking about what another three, four years of Kansas City absolutely you know, in in this position. I feel like my the one thing that is standing out to me, and I, you know, a lot of the conversation has continued on today. We have to talk about officiating, don't we? Yes. Um, from from Super Bowl Fifty Seven, and and the bummer part about talking about officiating is actually not a bummer at all. Um, I felt like the game was actually officiated really well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 
surprise, not so hot of a take because uh, all the hot takes seem to be around that one call, that one holding play uh, on the Chiefs' final drive that helped lead to the uh, to the game-winning field goal from Harrison Butker, which, I mean, honestly, if not for that, aren't they still driving and getting to a point where they might be scoring? Um, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's the logistics of how they got there, but I think we're still talking about them scoring anyway. You know, I, I mean, they scored on every drive in the second half. Hmm. And, you know, that's pretty impressive, but I, I still think, eh, yeah, it's on a third down. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they find a way anyway. Um, it was a hold. You and I both agree. That was a hold, yes. right? Yeah. Um, it looked worse in real time mm-hmm. than it did in slow-mo, which is usually the case. Right. We, we talked about it at length last week that this was a pretty good year for officiating. Anytime you slow down anybody in their profession, ours, yeah. you slow down our sound bites. Right. They're gonna, man, this guy stinks. <laughs> or, uh, you know, a... Uh, a surgeon, man, he should not have cut that there, you know? Yeah, he took the wrong <laughs> angle in that slice there. But the job got done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so th- they have an incredibly hard job, but at the same time, you can't just let anything go right there. He right. himself admitted he it was a hold. Yeah. He hoped that it didn't get called, and that's a big part of the game too is what can you get away with. Mm-hmm. But it, that's the way it goes. And I love what Sirianni said. It's not just one call right. that makes a game. And I know we'll jump into that a little bit you later. Had, but you had Hurts' fumble totally. early in the game. And um, Butker missed a field goal early right. in the first half. So yeah. they would have been up another three right there. Right. If there's anything that people can complain about, to me it's not in that one game. I think it's it's the entirety of the year. I'm not thinking back to to Roger Goodell necessarily when he said NFL officiating is better than it's ever been, but we can always talk about consistency. Um, But I will always say that officiating a game that physical Mm. and a game that is played at a quicker speed than it ever has has not been – I I can't remember a time that it has been any tougher to call a game like this. Um, I am not a football referee. I don't aspire to be a football referee. And I see the job even going down to the high school level and, and how difficult it is for some of these officials to uh, to call a game. And I felt like up to that one point, officiating was never a storyline. And, and that's how it should be. Um, you know, we were kind of talking about last week um, with basketball. There was an official that like had a hamstring injury with 12 minutes to go and didn't finish the game in oh, Hawaii's yeah. game against uh, UC San Diego. And uh, they played the last 12-ish minutes with uh, just two officials. And I had no idea. And I'm calling the game, and I had no idea. And I said to someone, that is the ultimate compliment to that officiating crew, that they went down, they got down to two guys, and I had no idea they were down to two. That they called a good game, so good that even with one short of a person, they still did a good job. Um, it's the consistency part that is what makes it hard. Um, you know, you could you could say, well, they didn't call that earlier in the game. Why are you calling it now? Um, 
it's really hard to play that card in hindsight, yeah. I, I believe. And, uh, you know, receiver said or, or defender said it was a hold. Carl Cheffers, the referee, did the uh, pool interview with one of the pro football writers um, who and he said, this is what we saw. It was clear. Um, they talked about it. They confirmed it was the call and they went with it. And I and I'm also reminded by Mike Pereira who worked the game for Fox and television and was on uh, uh, on our sister station, CBS 1500. He was on the Rich Eisen Show. And he's talked about evaluating officials. And this whole notion of swallowing the whistle or, or, or burying your flag in the last couple minutes, he said something interesting, I, I, I thought. He said, if any official goes through that training program yeah. or, or goes through any evaluation and says very clearly – you know, I probably wouldn't throw that flag in the last couple of minutes or I wouldn't blow the whistle in the last couple of minutes. He said after the game or after the program, he'd fire him. Mm. He, he, he wouldn't keep them on as an official because that's not how you officiate a game. You don't officiate a game differently in the last couple of minutes. You officiate based on what the rule book tells you to officiate. And in that particular period in time, the official did. And, and so the uh, play is unbiased to when it is happening. In exactly, the exactly, and and that's how it should be. Um, you know, many laws going outside of sports. Yeah. Many laws are unbiased to the situation of of what they are, um, and and it's to me it's the same thing in in sports. Um, don't commit the penalty. Don't get burned so badly that you have to tug on the jersey to try to create an advantage that you hope that you don't get caught with. And if that doesn't happen, if those things don't happen, we don't have a problem. Yep. Um, is that? I mean, and that's where I, I think we'll, you know, we were going to talk about it a little bit. I might, might as well just finish it now. Um, you don't? Do you believe there's like a level in when you determine when you call a penalty or not? Like, is there like a a, a level of egregious to not so egregious? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I- Save that thought. Yeah. That's the tease. Save the thought. I want to hear Hunter's uh, egregious level. It's like hot sauces. Mild to hot to don't try it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up on the other side. Don't forget, hey, next Tuesday, it is Call the Coach with the University of Hawaii men's volleyball coach Charlie Wade. We'll have that at uh, Ruby Tuesday at the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. Really excited to get Charlie Wade on the radio to talk about men's volleyball. Get the latest on uh, on his team. Meet him Win some prizes. That is February 21st. Let's call the coach Charlie Wade here on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update is on the way. It is off the bench. Hunter, Josh, ESPN Honolulu. Good to have you with us here on this Monday. Um, the tease we uh, we let out of uh, the last segment with going in here. Um there are some people that talk about like levels to which you desert, de- determine whether you call a penalty or you don't call a penalty. Um, do you have that for uh, in, in your case? Do you believe that there is like a level of where you see a penalty, but it's not that egregious, so you don't call it? I believe so. Okay, and I think if we took a poll of a hundred NFL refs. Maybe like the vast majority, 75% would agree with me. Keep him anonymous. Pereira might fire him. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> so so what what does it come down to? Like what what is where your tolerance level? Not tolerance level. Sure. But you know what I mean? Where, well, where, where does that level fall? The the interesting thing about this call, we're we're talking again on the, the hold on Juju Smith Schuster late in the fourth yeah. quarter. The football was then thrown, and the ball was not catchable, mm. even with or without the hold. But so I'm just uh, let, let me get yeah, to the point course, just for a second. The point being that the perceived perception of everyone was even if there wasn't a hold because it was close. Uh-huh. Let's just admit the fact that it was close. Yeah, of course. He wouldn't have caught the ball. So the the the, the thought and the emotion behind this call was that even if there was a penalty, it would not have affected the play. Now, I believe late in the game like that it's very very difficult for these these refs these umpires these officials to be able to slow things down and right make the oh you know general best call that would make everybody happy that's impossible that is impossible right and what made the the hold sell Stronger was that Schuster actually slipped with his foot mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. in the grass. That was not made because of the hold. He didn't slip because the, the hold was awful. That, that, yeah, it, which is funny because they spent eight hundred grand on it. <laughs> they crazy. spent nine hundred instead. Yeah, they, not um, enough. Here, here, here's the thing on that, and um, well, you know, I'll, I'll save it for Sports Center on the other side because we've got a got a hard out. Actually, we got a hard out in about a minute and, a, and and fifteen, so I think I can get it here. But the the catchable part doesn't fall under the holding rule, right? I mean, it doesn't matter whether the ball is catchable or not. If you're holding within, I think it's it's five yards. Um, I th- actually, I think it's within a yard in the NFL, I think is what it is. If you're holding within that period, it don't matter uh, whether the ball is catchable or not. Rich Miano was talking to earlier, and uh, he, he made a great point, was that these receivers are so athletic and they're so much faster than receivers we've talked about in, in past years. Oh, yeah. That... You think a ball's uncatchable, but with the way they can cover ground on foot, with dive. the way they can leap in the air, with the yeah. way they can dive, that football you might think was uncatchable before may not be as uncatchable as you think. And um, while it doesn't matter in this call, you know, I, I know a lot of people are using that. It becomes harder to use that because of the athlete that that you have like you know it's it's really hard uh to kind of use it so um that's what to me like makes it really hard i was gonna use a basketball example i know you had a baseball one as well Mm -hmm. um and we'll we'll do that coming up we got more to do on super bowl 57 not just on the officials trust me we've got our favorite moments too that's coming up after sports center on espn honolulu Favorite moments of the Super Bowl. Take yours via our uh, studio line at 808-296-1420 or text line at 808-296-1420 as well. Uh, Jeff texted in earlier. He said, uh, the Chiefs started slow like Hawaii basketball. One overcame, uh, one didn't. I mean, yeah, it was a little slower of a start. Um, They did come back. The game wasn't out of reach. It wasn't. It was slow, but it wasn't bad. Right. I mean, there's there's a difference between 
the Chiefs starting out slow and Hawaii basketball hitting four field goals in the first 20 minutes of the game and shooting an un I don't even know where to begin with the percentage. Um, just an, an, an awful number from uh, from the first half. And, well, still finding a way to almost win the game. Um, there's a difference between via slow, you know, slow start and, frankly, um, the Eagles just playing a better first half. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't they know. They had the momentum. I, they did. And, and that first drive really did help. Yeah. Everything was clicking for Philly. Even kind of persevering through some uh, adversity with that horrific fumble. Yeah. Yeah. Really kind of giving Kansas City a gift right Mm -hmm. there where they could walk into the end zone um, before... Uh, the second half where it looked like Philly was going to go up three scores. And they all, yeah, they almost had that other one. I think that's the one you're, you're referring to as well. That's that right. got called back. Uh, by the way, Hawaii was four for 24 in the first half uh, against Cal State Fullerton. 16.67%. It's not good. They shot 29.6% for the game. Uh, there is a, <laughs> there is no equating the chief start to Hawaii basketball start on Saturday. It is uh it is very very different. Let let's uh let, let's finish the officiating conversation. Okay. Um I always get annoyed when I hear fans at a basketball game and they're like, "Oh, you blew the whistle so late." <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I wasn't planning to go there, but uh, <laughs> at least on that, you know. <laughs> But um, fans don't understand that basketball officials are actually kind of taught on a play. Let's say you've got a, a, a layup or a, you got a post player drop step going up to the to the rim for two, and there may be contact. But officials are are sometimes looking for contact that may affect the outcome of the shot. If it's not like egregious, if it's like a, a a little tap on the arm and like not one that the entire arena can hear, then they might swallow the whistle. If the shot misses, then they'll call it because then they can't say, oh, the, um, you know, that, that little tap on the arm didn't affect the shot. But if it was very minimal contact, shot goes in, they'll likely, you know, hold on to the whistle and let play continue. So you're not calling every little thing because there's, you know, there's going to be so much contact in a game, but not a lot of it is egregious. Not a lot of it is to the point where it alters the flow of the game. Mm. And maybe this is where basketball and football is different because basketball is all about freedom of movement. It's all about flow. Officials don't want to kill flow. And so, yeah, shot goes in and the contact's minimal. You'll want to you'll want to let play continue so you're not impacting the flow of the game. Football's hard with flow because you've got 20 seconds, sometimes less, sometimes more between plays. Uh, unless we're talking about a no huddle situation, flow of the game is very, very different. Very different. And we we, we talked about it a little bit during the break that. I get annoyed when officials, and I know it's their job, try to say that they make all of their calls to the best of their, of their ability apart from emotion, uh-huh. which I believe is impossible. We're, they, are, they are humans. They, they have emotion just like the rest of us, and they get swayed by the emotion of the game that they are down there in. And 
I used to be an umpire whenever I was younger. There, there were questionable calls that, that, that would happen just throughout the course of the game, and you kind of put it in the back of your mind of for the sake of keeping a fair environment for everybody, I, I would love an opportunity to help the other team out in a small way. Mm-hmm. If, if I could just – even though it's, it's a very practical thing, sports, it's also a, a game of perception yes. too. Yeah. With officiating, because that 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 has been the ongoing narrative, especially social media doesn't help it either. No, we we have to mention that because the 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 running joke of all of this is that these games are scripted, which I I, I think is is stupid. It is. However, when it continues to line up in a similar fashion for some of the same people down the stretch of games, you have to kind of scratch your head like, man, that, that game felt like it should have gone to overtime. It deserved to go to overtime. It did. They both played their hearts out. Yeah. And for a questionable third down call, extending a drive, kicking a field goal, that ended the game. It, it, it's just unfortunate that a great game in a Super Bowl had to be perceived like I, that. I feel like if, if the game was so scripted, they would have wanted Jalen Hurts to to win a Super Bowl to add another, you know, top tier quarterback into the conversation by earning a win, um, mm. continuing to create this parity in the league um, with another team, whether you know the yeah. Eagles will be here again or not. A um, team in the East against a team in the West, right? Sure. Right. Uh, you know, some duality. I, yeah. Um, so stop it with the scripted stuff, folks. Yeah. I've seen that on Twitter. It's just. It's nonsense. Um, favorite moment of the Super Bowl. Let's go there. Uh, you can text in at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. You don't want to spend the entire uh, entire show on uh, uh, on officiating, and I, and I did want to spend at least all of the first hour on the game mm. and the ancillary stuff around in the game. So um, your favorite moment, because there are so many of them, uh, what was the one that you uh, you loved the most? Unquestionably, Chris Stapleton's national anthem. Okay. Just an amazing rendition, but specifically the uh, the moment with Nick Sirianni get emo- getting emotional. Just un, um, unashamed. Uh-huh. Sobbing. Yeah. On TV. Yeah. Very rarely do we see guys at that level in this profession. You're the head coach of a of a NFL football team that like the, the peak of masculinity where you're not meant to show emotion other than anger yeah. <laughs> and intensity and you do not let up. And, and then we, you, f- you find out a little bit of the backstory. Yeah. It is really cool. Do, do you want to share the backstory? You can share it. Go for it. Just the fact that before every season, he watches it just privately watches the Whitney Houston singing of the national anthem in the I think it was the nineteen ninety three Super Bowl, something like that. I think so. Early nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um we all know the the performance. It's widely regarded as the the best singing of the national anthem and before it is. a football game. And it is. It is awesome. And he thinks through what it would be like to coach a team in the Super Bowl. And so he he's he's been very public in saying if he ever got to that point he would lose it in the national anthem, <laughs> um, and so 
just anyone who has a respect for for craft, for pursuing your dreams, for for going for what it is that you do at the highest possible level, it 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 put it put chicken skin on all over me, man. It was awesome. Yeah, and, and Nick Sirianni is someone that we've watched. We've seen like ticked off Sirianni, who's just like uh-huh. talking trash to the opposing coach, and he's you know not happy with. Uh, you know what he feels like is a play that shouldn't have happened a certain way. Like we've we've seen this unabashed, um, unapologetic, young um, Nick Sirianni, yeah. and, and you're Scrappy. right. I, I think it's a that's a great point. Um, that was vulnerability at its best. Yes, and um, it's amazing what the big stage will bring out of you. With, with that vulnerability, it will also bring out you know guys just shooting promos like it's WWE, which I know was banned from your household when you were younger. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Travis Kelsey with the whole no one believed in us. <sighs> I know two thirds of ESPN's pundits picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, um, but a third did. So the no one thing doesn't count, yeah. and uh, you know. Kansas City was expected to be somewhere in the conversation anyway, yes. so I don't I don't buy the whole yeah we, not, were, we were underdogs. It's not like it was the Jaguars. No, no. I mean it's as Travis Kelsey being ridiculous as uh, as, as usual. But um, I don't I don't want to be a downer, but I actually wasn't that huge of a fan of Chris Stapleton's national anthem. Really now. Uh, I will admit I was in the car when I heard it. Uh, uh, I didn't watch it. I listened to it because uh, I had to go make an emergency run to uh, to my uh, local neighborhood 7-Eleven. There you go. Because uh, we were doing root beer floats at home, and uh, we had no root beer. There you so, go. Uh, just floats. Yeah, so we just, we just had ice cream, which <laughs> will not float in a cup without, without root beer. So, uh, yeah, I made an emergency run uh, down to 7-Eleven to go grab uh, root beer so I didn't miss kickoff right before go. kickoff. And uh, I, was, I was hearing Chris Stapleton's national anthem. And um, maybe this is not fair. It probably isn't fair. But uh, I hold that Whitney Houston anthem to a very high standard, um, partially because of the energy that goes behind it. Like to me, on that big stage, yeah. Um, if you can get close to that Whitney Houston, um, I own this stage. Yeah. Um, I own this energy. I own this song. I own this crowd. They are in the palm of my hands because I am owning this anthem. Um, no, she was claiming it. it was oh, yeah. Just shy of yelling. Yeah. But it was beautiful, yeah. obviously. Right. You're right. There was a timber and an energy yes. to the proclaiming of how she sang that. Right. And so even like when it's America the Beautiful or, or any song that you hear prior to the game, like – um, my standard of kind of meeting the moment, probably not fair, but my standard of meeting the moment is Whitney Houston. Mm. And if you can reach the energy and the momentum and the power of that moment, then to me, you've won me over. Um, I don't care if you miss a note. I don't care if uh, you accidentally take a, a breath that is too loud into the microphone on stage. I, I, don't, I don't care. But you meet all those other things, and all right, 
I'm sold. Fergie you got went, me. Fergie went for the yelling. She did. She did. It You're didn't right. sound too good, though. <laughs> good point. It did not um, sound too good. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's where I, I, I kind of was like, all right. It, it, it was nice, but I was like, I don't know if it's great. Like, if mm. I put that in the great category of national anthems. I I appreciate creative renditions. Ah, yeah. Uh to to within a, a certain measure though, yes. Getting because too to, far off of it, yeah, it, it can almost come off disrespectful. Yes, I agree. There's only certain amounts of creative liberties for the national anthem mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl or anywhere for that matter. Uh, are, are you playing music? Uh, very little. Okay, but you but you know I I've played music. Yeah. Um, I believe the national anthem is such a I'm going to get hammered for this, I'm sure. But it is such a sacred, sacred song. It is. That I don't believe in adjusting it to like fit your, you know, your style. Like the national anthem is the national anthem. I don't hear So is Hendrix's too much? Yeah, probably. Okay. Like, you know, I don't hear people going all you know, rogue on God save the queen. Mm. Um, that usually sounds pretty standard. I don't hear anybody deciding to go random high note on it. Um, God save the queen. Sure. Um, for whatever reason, like you said, the creative liberties sometimes become, um, creative flaws. Mm. Uh, and it makes it sound like to me, it makes it sound like the artist or the artists make the song more about them than it is about, um, doing justice to the song, mm. if that if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. I I think when you're playing the national anthem, and I would actually disagree that not all national anthem stages are created equal. You're right, absolutely. Now, if you're doing it at the Super Bowl with just shy of you know 200 million people watching you, uh-huh. you need to think about how you're appealing to all of those people. Right. The military people. And maybe that's where power comes in and just kind of... Sure. And the different generations that are watching this game because it really is a coming together event for our country. Yeah. And uh, in some ways, the world as mm-hmm. well. So I, I, I agree that some thought needs to be put into how you are just freestyling up yeah. there. Uh, Pedro, who uh, reminds me, uh, everyone, I think, reminded me last week of my, uh, right. not my cymbal playing, but the percussion playing. Yeah, Pedro. So I figured Pedro's calling in here on the anthem. Pedro, how are you? Sure, that's me. <laughs> Welcome hey, back, Pedro. So, polish your cymbals since last week? <laughs> no, not not since last. I honestly, since I moved here, because I played, yeah. I, I played percussion in the Hawaii County Band for a long time. Since I moved oh, nice. here, I have not picked up a drumstick. Dude, stick. my brother played for the county band. My dad played for it. My uncle played for it. Really? A bunch of other... Yeah, I'm from Hilo. Okay. Um, who's Saktora your... Saktora family. Saktora family. So, go look it up. They I were, will. Like, back in the 60s. Okay, but, yeah. So, yeah. I, don't, I don't know him, but um, I know yeah. the history, obviously. But anyway, go ahead, Pedro. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to bring up that one year Santana plays the national anthem. Like a couple years back, yeah. Do you remember that? Vaguely, I vaguely the, remember. Who it. was who was on his side? Who was on ben his Whitfield. side? Ben Whitfield from Hawaii. Oh, oh I didn't Dude. know that. Google it. 
man. You got to check it out. I don't, I don't need to Google it. You told me, and I, I believe you. I graduated from McKinley. I know Ben. My sister grew, was his classmate. And yeah, he gigged with my brother back in the day, you know. I would love I would love to talk to Ben. If there were ever a yeah. chance that we could interview Ben to talk about what it's like uh-huh. to be on that stage in the national anthem, yeah. I would love to. That's cool. Dude, he was I the look on his face was like, Oh my god. He's, been, you know, he's Santana's musical director, by the way. Okay. You know, so wow, I didn't even expect it. I thought it was just gonna be Carlos, you know, but here comes Ben, he's on the show. Wow, that was a real and I and I will say too, um, and, and Pedro, good to hear from you. Thank you for for dialing in. Thank I, you, Pedro. I, I would not knowing Carlos Santana, obviously, but I would feel like Carlos Santana is not one to only want the stage to himself. Um, he is a master collaborator. He is someone that uh, uh, is willing to share the stage to uh, uh, to make other artists better, or for them to make him better, um, to make good music. I, to me, above all else, it seems like Carlos Santana is the guy who is all about making good music, and so uh, yeah, I I, I I am not surprised by that 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 he would not be alone um, in in that moment. Uh, we'll take a break here. Um, I didn't give my favorite moment of the Super Bowl yet. Uh, right. We'll do that in a little while, but uh, don't forget. Uh, a week from Wednesday, uh, we're going to be at Growler Hawaii. It is the really big road show number eight. We have survived seven of these. We're doing an eighth. It's February 22nd, 5 to 7, Growler, Hawaii, and Kapahulu. Uh, some of our guests, and we've actually been, um, been, been kind of working on this here as uh, we go over the last couple of hours. Some of our guests include a former UH basketball legend, Jerome Freeman, who is going uh, to join us. That's going to be kind of fun. Uh, he and others will be a part of uh, all the fun. 5 to 7 p.m. next week, Wednesday, the really big road show number 8. We'll see you there at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Uh, Josh Pacheco, Hunter Hughes, off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update is on the way in about six minutes. It is off the bench. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, ESPN Honolulu. We still got our favorite commercial from the Super Bowl to get to um, Hawaii. Uh, look at the uh, Hawaii Sports Weekend. Uh, we'll get to as well. I didn't share my uh, my favorite moment of the Super Bowl. Mm, and right. it actually is during the game. Um, yours was Chris Stapleton's National Anthem. We rewatched that. Uh, no tears were shed during the commercial break as we watched Chris Stapleton's <laughs> National Anthem. Um, but my favorite moment was Patrick Mahomes coming back in, the, uh, in, in that second half. Yeah. Like, you saw the injury. When when he went down, he looked like he was in a lot of pain. And, and and when I saw it happen, I didn't think of it as something that would have aggravated that ankle. Um, but I thought for a good chunk of time, like, oh, he might miss some time. The ankle we thought was blown way out of proportion last week. Uh, yeah, media. very much so. Very yeah. much so. And um, you, they had the shot of him on the bench, I guess, next to the trainer. And he's like, you could see his facial reaction. He's in pain. And he's leaning over on, like, the trainer's shoulder. Slammed because whatever, down. Yeah, because yeah. I guess whatever they were doing was just really aggravating him. And, yeah, I thought at that time, like, we were going to see Chad Henney for a little bit. By the way, congratulations, Chad Henney, on your retirement. Um, oh, did he retire? He did retire. Wow. He's got 
as many Super Bowl rings as Peyton Manning. What a legend. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he got his second last night. Hashtag um, easy money. He, what is he what has he made? Uh forty million dollars in earnings. He doesn't want to just continue to be his backup. I mean It's one of the best jobs in all of sports <laughs> right there. I guess. Uh, but he's he's done enough. Need a new headband, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I you know watching him go into the locker room and watching him come back. My favorite moment of that was to go from that writhing in pain, almost looking like he was not gonna you know he was not gonna play all this game, hmm. to having a great second half. Yes. Um, Part of it is because they had the ball for a heck of a lot longer in the yeah. second half than they did in the first. 90% completion. Right. That's that's insane. I don't care who you are. That is that is an insane number to have. And um, you know, for him to be able to respond after that the way he did, I thought was uh, was awfully impressive. All right. Uh, it's ESPN Honolulu's Valentine's giveaway presented by Hawaii Dental Service. We're giving away a prize every day until Valentine's Day. And today... We're giving away a two-night staycation at Ohia Waikiki. Visit our Instagram at ESPN Honolulu to enter to win. The Hawaii Sports Weekend. Uh, we'll delve into that. It was pretty busy. That's on the way after Sports Center. It's off the bench. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. Sky more, the sky's the limit. Sky's they go the to the limit. <laughs> Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. In case you're wondering what that randomness was, that was NFL primetime after the Super Bowl. And Travis Kelsey trying to in to, uh, trying to imitate, I was going to say intimate, uh, imitate Chris Bourbon's whoop. Oh, man. I'm not doing that again. That's an octave uh, you need to go for. Yeah, you could you could hear. I don't know if you heard it in the bite, but um, yeah, you could. What? Yep, there you see. Hunter is smart. He 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 pulled the microphone away. What? <laughs> now that went low on my end. That was that was, that was low. Uh, that was uncomfortable for the vocal cords. Like fifteen year old Josh. Um, uh, no, that that sounded like. Uh, man. That, no, that that honestly sounded like me uh, deciding my health is. Grave danger. Oh, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what that was. Travis Kelsey, who had the time of his life. All the doubters that said that they could not win the Super Bowl. And uh, then he decided to to go back to his line from the AFC Championship game. You've got the right to uh, – you've got to fight, fight for, for your right. right to and then party. he let everybody else do the, the, the two-party part. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I I I got annoyed, and then I was like, Josh, don't get annoyed over it. Athletes find a way to 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 self hype. Yeah, you know they they need to find anything to uh, you know to 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 put that chip on their shoulder to feel like um, you know they they are being doubted. Like I I was recalling earlier today. ESPN put out a press release. Nearly two-thirds of ESPN experts picked the Eagles to win Super Bowl 57. Um, they actually, like, name them in alphabetical order. Who picked the Chiefs? Who picked the Eagles? And uh, who was going to win the MVP award? They had that all listed there. And it's like, uh, okay, um, this is what we do. This is this is what we attach ourselves to. We make picks. It means nothing. 
um, except fun and fodder and all those things. Like, come on. Come on, Travis. Yeah. Leave it alone. You guys are doing the dynasty thing, and you're acting like the Jaguars. Like, come on. Um, I want to get to a couple text messages before we get into the uh, the Hawaii sports weekend. Uh, you can text us at 808-296-1420. Uh, a lot on the game. For example, uh, texter from the 220. My favorite moment of the Super Bowl was the holding call on third down. I think we know who he was or he or she was rooting for. Uh, this has got to be a Chiefs fan right there. Um, texter from the uh, 627. Conspiracy theory. Did Pat Mahomes fake his first half injury? There was no second half effects. Um Grammatically, there were no second-half effects. Must have been some good drugs, Texter from the 627 says. Also, we, we, we don't – did they ever explicitly say the extent of the injury? No, I don't, I don't recall. It was only perceived by his emotion on the field and on the sideline that he was in some discomfort or some pain. But they never came out and said – right. Need to go check out some x-rays. Need to go back, sit with the team doctor. There was none of that. I don't think the Chiefs put anything out during the game. And we yeah. also learned, by the way, um, the Kansas City Chiefs have a policy. Andy Reid does not meet with the uh, the television sideline reporter unless his team is winning. It's a lot like Wyoming for me. Really? Wyoming was not friendly. Wow. Oh, yeah. they. Uh, Laramie has not been kind to those people. Tell me about that. I, I I didn't I didn't I don't know about this. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't leave us hanging on this. Uh went over there, just very politely asked one of their assistants, Hey, do you mind Oh, when Wyoming was here. When Wyoming okay. was here this last season. So you were doing your job as a sideline reporter trying That's to right. get some info. What kind of info were you looking for? S- some uh I think their QB had uh limped off the field and I just simply asked, how's he doing? Mm-hmm. And the guy looked at me, looked me up and down. And walked away. <laughs> Completely <laughs> blew me off. <laughs> wow. And I think at the time, I don't know what week Wyoming was for us, but again, this is my this last year is my first year doing sideline stuff. Right. And I'm like, is this normal? <laughs> so I'm not used to having someone just not even give me the time of day. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I am I my understanding is in those situations you go find the SID. And, uh, and they're upstairs, and you go ask the SID. But, hey, the effort um, to go down to the opposite sideline and be like, hey, uh, how's your QB? Like, you are going to go and take that to Timmy Chang and say, uh, hey, Timmy, that Wyoming QB, oh, he is totally fine. Don't buy anything. Yeah. Like, like, you would go and do that. No. Uh, I, for those all of us over here at ESPN know that I don't even like interviewing Timmy <laughs> at the games. I don't want to be anywhere in his sight that would cause him to be distracted from winning a game for us, especially like, after uh, uh, especially after a tough first half. Yes. Oh my goodness! If we're down at half, like the last thing I want to do is interview our our coach. The last and the last thing, believe me, he wants to. Is Talk to me. Right. He's focused on winning a football game here. Right. And at, very far down, even more on the the last thing I want to do is let him know how the other team's QB is yeah. doing. Yeah. So, 
Yes, it was one of those situations. The guy could have been like, you know what, man, I don't know. And that would have been the end of it. Right. But I did go, for all those listening at home, I care very deeply about you guys, trying to give you a full uh, understanding of what's going on at these games and these Brotherhood broadcasts. Love you guys. You know, um, (laughs) yeah, I've dealt with this several times, um, you know, and and sometimes – I've just decided to go, you know, we'll talk to coaches here and there. Um, and some coaches are forthcoming and, and some they're not. And some actually sports information directors are like, yeah, no, we, um, our coach doesn't you know, have us talk about injuries or anything like that. And some I've had some really good, good conversations with some this year that have been like very forthcoming. Like, yeah, this guy's out. This guy's dealt with this injury, such and such time. I'm like, okay. Every school's different, but I've noticed football is the one where they get particularly petty about stuff like injuries and depth charts. Yeah. Maybe not. uh, I think football coaches are most famous in football. Mm -hmm. Or coaches are most famous in football than in other sports, maybe in in America. And with that, we see kind of their personalities on display. Yeah. And generally speaking, football coaches, for the most part, uh, are a little a little paranoid about their information being sold to the wrong person, and that giving them perhaps a competitive disadvantage out there. Rolo used to be like that. I just don't get it. I, I don't either. Ro- Ro- um, th- there was a time when Cole McDonald was injured, but no one was talking about it, and so Rolo had another guy on yeah. our team. Yeah. Come out on the field in Cole's uniform. He had long blonde hair so that the other team thought that, hey, Cole McDonald's suiting up and ready to go. Right. Um, Which I I can kind of understand, but at the same time, I've never really understood the charade of it. To me, it's a waste of mental space. And it's a distraction for the team. Yes. The the team is wondering, why are we doing this? Is this actually going to help us win? Right. I, I, I don't think that it does. Like I'm a believer that if you are confident enough in your team that you believe you have a good enough team to win, that all that other nonsense stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. That show your trust in your team. Like, yeah. Um, and your believe, ability as a coach. I, I believe it is a distraction if you're not willing to go out and name your starting quarterback before Saturday's game. Like, if you're throwing out the, uh, yeah, we're not going to name anybody until the day of. Um, either you're trying to be coy for no reason, or B, you truly don't know. Um, and either way, it's it's to me, it's a, it's a waste of mental space. Let's bring it back to the Super Bowl. Yes. Just for one second. Yes, and we'll go to that, the phones that, that's in That's what got us on the tangent for yeah. um Let's say they would have brought out some information about Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Yeah. It went all the way onto the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Very rarely would that have then gotten over to the Eagles' sideline mm-hmm. and then told to Nick Sirianni to then coach the game any differently. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost as if the paranoia – doesn't actually end up where you're fearful of it ending up. Mm-hmm. That's my point. And and to add to that, if you have to rely on a television report on somebody's injury to change the way you coach after I mean if you're watching right. the game on the field, if you see Patrick Mahomes who looks like he's in pain right there 
you're talking to your defensive staff and thinking, hey, we got to take advantage of the fact that Pat might be a little bit hurt. Totally. You're not you're not waiting for Aaron Andrews to come on TV and say Pat Mahomes has uh, you know his hyper extended something yeah. and his uh, he's about eighty percent waiting no. on a second opinion. You're you're coaching the game. You're watching the game. Yeah. You should have a feel for the game. Totally. Uh, John's calling in. Uh, he wants to talk about Travis Kelsey's uh, post-game shenanigans. Hi there, John. What's up, John? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm kind of starting to get irritated with Travis Kelsey uh, with uh, his statements after the uh, the AFC Championship game. And then last night, I'm kind of thinking, uh, man, the guy needs to go to some anger management classes or something. I'm kind of like, <laughs> wow. uh, you know... Uh, I was like, well, none of you guys believed us. Well, you know what? I was rooting for the Eagles. So, you know what? It's not because we don't believe in you. We just don't like you, okay? But uh, <laughs> that's that's another thing. But, uh, hey, by the way, on um, Mahomes, when I saw him get injured, I was actually kind of disappointed because I was kind of like, I wanted the Eagles to beat them, but I didn't want them to beat them like that. And uh, I was kind of like uh, – I was actually a little relieved when I saw him kind of moving around like normal, uh, like after halftime. And it sounds kind of funny because there's a lot of guys like, oh, good, the guy's hurt. Well, when I'm rooting for a team, I, I want to beat like their best guys. I never want to see somebody else get hurt so we can win. So uh, I was kind of, um, I was kind of, I mean, it did look real painful, but I'm glad that he was able to function uh, after ha- halftime. Maybe if he could have functioned just a little bit less, I would have been happy. But uh, no, it was. Uh, but it was a, overall, it was a good game, and uh, I'm kind of starting to wonder if the AFC is, like, a lot better than the NFC because the Eagles just whipped through, like, everybody, and then they got beat like that mm. by, uh, by Kansas, well, you know, Kansas City. Uh, and you think about it, like, uh, look at the teams that Kansas City had to beat to get to the Super Bowl compared to the Eagles. But mm. uh, that's, a, that's a whole other question. But anyway, uh, Patrick John, Mahomes, thank you so much I'm for the call, many, man. Pitt, what is that, John? Sorry. Oh, just John's gone. I assume oh, my fault. he's going to get a last. Um, John, thank you so much for the call. Just wanted to make mention that uh, the when you see these two teams at this level, you want a good matchup. Yeah. You don't want someone to go down. And to John's point, it, it was better that Mahomes stayed in the game and played well, and this thing went down the stretch of the game. Mm-hmm. It deserved to go the length of the game. I wonder it, if he felt the same way with his uh, Eagles taking on the Niners. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, had the Niners had their quarterback situation figured out, that would have been a much closer game. Well, I shouldn't say his Eagles. He's a Bears fan. He was rooting for uh, for for the Eagles uh-huh. in those games. Um, you know, I think I, if I if I know that John correctly, he's from Chicago. Mm. So uh, my boy, you know, he he needs someone to root for in January. My friend, uh, <laughs> a couple more texts. Uh, texter from the two two one. All about executing. Leave the charades out. Is what we were talking about earlier with uh, you know your masking injuries or or stuff like that. One more here. Uh, <laughs> Texter from the 722. I listen to your show pretty much every day, and I've never heard an answer to this. Who in the world is Hunter Hughes? Just like the guy who does the football pre and post game show with Gary. Coach, someone. Who is the guy? Um, okay, that guy, by the way, for, 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 for basketball, 
is Jerome DeRosier. He's a grad assistant uh, on the UH men's basketball team. And, oh, you know, he played um, the year prior. If, you know, you'd paid attention to the team, you'd, you'd been a starter on the team and, mm-hmm. and all that. But who in the world is Hunter Hughes? Um, Hunter Hughes is on the University of Hawaii football team. I know. I, I know. We named this show off the bench considering Hunter Hughes saw, saw how many snaps as a UH football player. Zero. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I might get it. But by the way, Hunter's been our sideline guy all year. So what are we doing? Yep. I, I, I realize some people don't listen to the radio station 24-7, and so we, we understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you waited a whole week of this show before asking who in the world is Hunter Hughes. Um, but hey. Listening to the show, so I I, I can't totally. Complain I'm trying about that. not to derail this station. That that that's who I am. I'm trying my best here. One more here, uh, not on you. <laughs> okay, good. Was there, was there a prop bet of Mahomes taken out by the second quarter? Philly took two San Francisco quarterbacks out in the NFC Championship game. I bet if someone wanted action, it's out there. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, someone, someone, go check the prop bets. Uh, see if someone cashed in on that. All right, uh, we'll get to the Hawaii Sports Weekend coming up in just a little while, which included, yes, a four for twenty-four showing. Uh, in the first half of a basketball game. That is coming up. Disney Junior Live on Tour is coming March 18th and 19th at the Blaisdell Concert Hall. All your kids' favorite Disney friends will be there along with Marvel's Spidey and his amazing friends. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. It's off the bench with, uh, you know, that guy, Hunter Hughes. Who in the world is that? Josh Pacheco, Traffic Right Now, ESPN Honolulu. I totally misread this text. <laughs> totally misread the text. When the texter asked, who in the world is Hunter Hughes? I misread the second part of the question in the text. He was too focused on that. I was, because your name was in capital letters. <laughs> Just like the guy who does the football pre- and post-game show with Gary. Coach, someone. Who is the guy? Gary doesn't host the pre and post game show. Well, uh, well, Gary does the does post game. He does the fans' voice. Gary didn't host the pre game show this year. That was me. Josh does. So, um, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about being confused with Gary. Um, we love Gary, by the way. We do. We do. One of us has not said the unfortunate words "more sex." <laughs> okay. In referring to a player named <laughs> right. Morsek. Right. Um, Gary, by the way, said he enjoyed the fact that uh, we replayed that over and over and over again um, because uh, he was told that we played it on multiple shows. And he said, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good to have, uh, good to have fun with my misery sometimes. <laughs> um, but, no, that coach is Arnold Martinez. Uh, our 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 good friend Arnold Martinez, uh, former college coach, uh, former high school coach. Uh, he's our guy. He is who I work with on the pregame show. Uh, and yeah, thank you, Tanner, for reminding me. Uh, father of a now Clemson commit. So uh, it's true. It is true. All right. Uh, <laughs> off of that, and on to uh, the University of Hawaii sports weekend that was. Uh, I know you were focused in on softball. Were you? You were, you were mentioning that to me. Well, I was. 
making sure our, our, our girl had a great first outing. Uh, we, we had a great interview last week with, yes. uh, uh, with Lopez. Number one, yeah, yeah, with Lopez, uh, UH's number one pitcher, wanted to know how she did. She looked good in uh, in, in her first start. She uh, she got the win. Nice. She went the entire way. Unfortunately for, uh, for, she yelled, for softball. Yes at people. Uh, I didn't hear it, at least in game one. Could happen in uh, in the other game she pitched, but uh, not in game one. It was a close game, in fact. I mean, she was down. Um, she had given up an unearned run off of an error. Mm. Uh, battled back to win that one. But since that point, uh, got another win. I think it was a loss in the final day of their three-day Paradise Classic. So Brianna Lopez, uh, who is uh, I, I unofficially the, uh, the pitcher of this show, uh, went That's right. Two and one with a uh, 1.56 earned run average in the uh, uh, the the three games she appeared in. So pretty good. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to her. Softball goes three and three in the Paradise Classic. Started two and zero oh, and then went uh, one and three in those last four games. I feel bad for them. They had to play on Super Bowl Sunday. Ugh. Yeah, uh, I, I I remember calling a a, a a basketball doubleheader on Super Bowl Sunday and being so upset that I had to miss the game, uh, or most of the game because I had a I had a party to go to and didn't get there to like mid fourth quarter, which is like why? Yeah, why go? Um, but yeah, uh, softball not bad. They'll go to Vegas this weekend for uh, 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 I think the Desert Classic they go mm. to almost every year. Nice. So they'll play there. Uh, men's basketball. They uh, they win on Thursday. They lose on Saturday in a frustrating game to Cal State Fullerton uh, after a really bad first half. Recovered in the second half to make it a game, um, but had three chances to win it in the final possession and couldn't do it. Mm. Um, they lose, and it leads, uh, leads to a pretty interesting weekend coming up. We'll talk more about that coming up in a little while. Traffic Sports Center on the way. It is off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. I love these text messages uh, that have been coming in here. All of a sudden, we've gone from the Super Bowl to, who are these people? Yep. It is uh, off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Patrick texts in, Hunter Hughes is a very cool name. Almost as cool as Hugh Hefner. (laughs) Bet you never got that one before. Oh, yeah. Many. Oh, okay. Well, the other one is, uh, are you related to Howard Hughes? <laughs> the 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 multi million yeah, dollar developer exactly, guy exactly. To which the answer is no. Okay, it's a very common name. I have a, I have a feeling if you were related to uh, multi billionaire uh, developer Howard Hughes, you probably wouldn't be working here. Yeah, I mean, I love you guys. I don't know if I love you guys that much. Clearly, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> one more texter from the two nine four. Hunter got to be in the WWE ring with New Day. And he had to dance to their entrance song. That right there is bigger than football. This was the night where a scholarship was handed out, right? It's true. Tell, okay. Um, since we're on this subject, and I didn't get to ask you this during the break, how was it that you got to go into the ring with uh, with New Day? Well, New Day, by the way, uh, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, uh, Big E. Uh, from WWE, they were here for a live show yeah. uh, in Honolulu. So, how how were you chosen to be in the ring with them? So, yeah, it was uh, fall time, 2017. That was my senior year, 
Rolo had gotten the entire team WWE tickets. And so we go down there. And we just kind of thought it was another fun night with the team. That, okay. that Rolo, Rolo was very much like that, where he would get stuff for the team and he'd be up there. And Rolo jumped up in the ring with New Day and had a microphone and was like getting the crowd going and all this stuff. This would have been Rolo's second year as, as coach. Okay. Um, very big on PR and getting hype around the football team. And then all of a sudden, in front of a packed Blaisdell audience, he said, I need Hunter Hughes to come into the ring. <laughs> and I was completely caught off guard. I, I had no idea, no idea that anything like that was, was going to happen. And at that point, we, we've all seen scholarship reveals and things like that. And I was a walk-on, and one of the the – leaders of the locker room at the time maybe wasn't on the field but was looked to by a lot of the guys as one of the leaders of the team and it was incredibly special just to be honored by the coaches in that in that way and to uh kind of cap off my my career at UH with yeah. a, a very special gift yeah it was really 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 cool um you didn't get into the ring cleanly though i did not yeah, describe this because um, uh, apparently you caught some flack from yeah, the team for this. I, I didn't catch it till later, but I found out that it's actually kind of difficult diving into a wrestling ring. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to make sure that your feet are straight. Mine were not. When I dove in, my foot got kind of caught on uh, the ring line, the, the, the bottom one, the third one. Yeah, the and, bottom rope. Yeah, the bottom rope. I just got... Uh, Tangled up right there and took a little while to get untangled. And <laughs> then I'm in the ring and, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they're like, we've got a scholarship for you, but uh, you're going to have to dance to earn it. And I'm uh -huh. like, wow, here we go. And uh, our good friend Stephen Sai had written an article my freshman year how Norm Chow had made me dance in front of the entire team. And I'm not known for my dance moves. Let's just put it that way. And okay. so for some strange reason, dancing kind of bookended my time at UH with Chow making the walk-on, do it in front of the whole team, and then I had to dance in front of a Blaisdell Was it just arena. you that Norm Chow made dance in front of the team? Well, it was kind of like a he would call on different people during stretch, uh, stretching and warm-ups, and stretching would stop and they'd circle up and they they'd make that person do it that day. Wow. Um it, it was it was like a known thing that he would call on different people and one of the times he called on me. That seems uh, very not safe to uh break from stretching and warm-ups. Yeah. To, to do that. Yeah. What if what if you uh broke your or not broke, but what if you uh, turned your ankle after not getting enough stretching and doing some dance moves? Yeah. I think that was Chow's attempt at trying to uh, relate to the youngins. Cause, uh, wow. Yeah. Because we know he really didn't. He didn't. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let, let's go back to uh, the Hawaii sports weekend. Yeah. Um, we were talking a little bit about men's basketball. I don't know how much you got to see on, uh, on Saturday, but um, that was hard. Um, yeah. You know, it, it it was hard to watch a team offensively struggle as much as it did going 4 of 24 in the first half 
at the same time, it was it, it, it was almost um, not satisfying, but it was um, it was incredible to watch that very same team down, you know, double digits, not having a strong end of the first half. You know, in that second half, looked very different, almost like a team that um, you know. There was it's like a bunch of body doubles came in in the second half and and played that game and and nearly turned the game entirely around. Um, I I know there is this narrative that is out there about this men's basketball team being a second half team struggling in the first half and certainly Hawaii has had many first half struggles over the course of the year. Um, no first half as bad as that one, which would have made that second half turnaround all the more sweeter if it could have been entirely turned around. Mm. Yeah, we've we've talked about it different times on this show that. Hawaii's kind of made a name for themselves and being resilient and being tough. And what, they were four of 24 yeah. in the first half? Shot under 30% for the game. Trim it all the way down and ultimately lose by one point, 52 to 51. Um, I'll ask just for everyone at home, too. Did McClanahan get a shot at a buzzer beater? Because he, he kind did. of has a knack for those things. He did. Um, it wasn't a good shot. I mean, it was one he was trying to twist his way around and try to throw it around a defender. I don't know if he was playing for a foul or not, but mm. he was caught in the middle of the paint in almost like no man's land almost with, with no dribble. He gave up his dribble and was just twisting and turning and just trying to find something. And, and, he, and he threw it up. Um, you know, Kamaka Hepa had a tip opportunity that didn't go. Uh, Samuta Vea had a fading shot that was contested toward the end that was well short. So they had three opportunities, mm. um, but there was uh, unable to, to really pull through at the end. Um, yeah, but McClanahan tried. I mean, I'll, I'll credit Cal State Fullerton's defense on that last play. Like, they did not – they didn't bite. I mean, they stayed home. Um, didn't really worry about the three so much. Once McClanahan got in the lane, it just they just collapsed in, um, mm. but not to the point where they were giving up something. And um, and, and that was well played. I mean, Deidre Taylor um, has has done a really good job of frankly coming out with a better game plan in the two games that Cal State Fullerton has won over Hawaii this year. Uh, def- uh, you know, offensively with um, how they attacked Hawaii and kind of changed the way they play the game. They're usually a really good three-point shooting team, but instead they were going to the rim mm. almost all the time and then defensively making some adjustments here and there and and uh, you know, making life difficult for Hawaii on offense. You know, with this loss to Cal State Fullerton, do you see their Big West dreams shifting at all or do we still have a, a couple weeks in front of us still before the end of the season where where is hawaii um in the scope of the big west right now you know hawaii's still in an okay place okay. Uh, you know six games to go uh, you know this weekend is going to be interesting because it's not an easy road trip again um you know the second half of the year brings some really tough road trips uh for hawaii i mean they just went through the cal poly um uh, Cal Poly, before that it was UC Davis, that trip, which is a difference of about four hours and a drive. Mm. Um, they get Long Beach, and then they get uh, uh, CSU Bakersfield coming up this weekend, and that's what a couple of hours between, uh, I, I think, those two places. 
So they've got that um, Saturday going into into Monday. Long Beach State is a team Hawaii beat. Long Beach State was not 100% uh, when they played here. CSU Bakersfield is shorthanded, but they have been they have been playing above and beyond what they are with how few players they have. And then you still got UC Irvine uh, who beat Hawaii on the road. UC Riverside's looking for revenge. UC Santa Barbara beat Hawaii by a point on a game winner with under two seconds to go. CSUN played Hawaii awfully close, and CSUN's one of the bottom couple of teams in conference. So really, um, you know, these all six of these games, the Big West is not a great conference, um, but it is a conference where seemingly everybody has an opportunity to beat everybody every single night. Yeah. Uh, CSU Bakersfield, in fact, I'll just go to them. They had what, nine, eight or nine, I think, available to play when they came here. And they still only lost by three. Wow. They hit a three toward the buzzer that, um, you know, that made it close. But, you know, they had probably had no business being in that game just given how little they had. But they still, they they scrapped and they fought and they, they kept themselves in that game. CSUN is the second worst team in the conference. But – they nearly completed a comeback on Hawaii in the second half when Hawaii had a bad second half. Um, yeah, th- this conference is crazy for 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 those reasons. And still, given all that, Hawaii's in a tie for third place. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's where these games now become really interesting because Hawaii wants to avoid having to play on, I think it's that Tuesday, mm. and you want to avoid being 7 through 10. The difference between the three seed and the seven seed is the difference is is a game and a half. Wow. Um, And UC Davis, who is the seventh seed right now, has a win over Hawaii, had that win um, in Davis. And then, you know, every team in the middle, UC Riverside, Long Beach State tied with Hawaii. Um, Cal State Fullerton's beaten Hawaii twice. So. Seeding becomes really important. I think that is what makes or breaks Hawaii's chances. I don't. I don't think anything that happened on Saturday changes Hawaii's chances. I. I honestly think um, the next couple of weeks, probably to probably that last homestand. If Hawaii can't sweep that homestand, um, in, in which they have UC Irvine and UC Riverside. Um, that could tell us uh, where this team ends up heading. Because, yeah, you don't want to go and have to play four games in five days to mm. try to win the Big West. You'd rather go three and three, depending on your seating, and, and give yourself a chance that way. Yeah, for sure. It, I, I think the resilience and that kind of character that's been mold, you know, molded over and, and curated in this team by Coach uh, Ron Gannat is, is going to serve them well deep into this season. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, speaking of resilience and character, I think we have to mention the Rainbow Wahine basketball team yeah. because they have lost so many players due to season-ending injuries. I think they've lost three to season-ending injuries. Um, they are shorthanded, but, man, they have been tough. They just won their third consecutive game, winning on the road um, uh, against – Cal State Fullerton. They had a win on Thursday against UC San Diego. First time they'd ever beaten that program. UC San Diego had their numbers up until Thursday. Hawaii beats them for the first time. And because of that, Hawaii, with its lack of numbers, 9-5, fourth in the Big West right now, that's another one you want to avoid being 7-10 through 10 to avoid having to play 
on um, on Tuesday. You'd rather start on Wednesday and go Wednesday, Friday, Saturday instead of having to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And right now, Hawaii's putting itself in position with a great break right now between um, you know where they are and right now seventh in the conference, I believe, is four and ten. So Hawaii just needs to not get swept here on its way out and, and earn that first round, uh, first round buy, mm. which would be important. Um, you know, the difference between where they are and where Cal Poly is, is a difference of five games, uh, with six to go. So that's, that's certainly helpful. And some of the teams remaining on the schedule, Hawaii has three of the four bottom teams. Mm. Um, but again, favorable, favorable, but given Hawaii's injury woes, they can be beaten. At any time, but but Laura Beeman's done a fantastic job here. I think in in Big West play to adjust on the fly as she has uh, to make that team a, uh, a a team you don't want to mess with yeah. uh, to try to repeat in that Big West title. She's tough. She is absolutely. Uh, traffic on the way. Favorite commercial from the Super Bowl. We got to get to that. Uh, how how can we go this long in the show and uh, and not talk about our favorite commercial? That's coming up in a little bit. Uh, a week from Wednesday, we've got the really big road show at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Um, I, I love the guest list we're starting to put together here. Former UH basketball legend Jerome Freeman is going to be there. We were just talking about University of Hawaii softball a moment ago. Bob Coolin is going to be in the house uh, for hour number two of the show. And it's from 5 to 7 p.m. at Growler Hawaii. About 100 taps uh, right there on site. The food is really good, uh, so make sure you come by. It is Wednesday, February 22nd. Uh, that's uh, the really big road show at Growler Hawaii. Traffic, commercials, then commercials. It's, the re- it's, uh, it's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Remember when Dre was part of the uh, Super Bowl halftime show at Snoop? Last year. Yeah? Oh, yeah. That was good. That was awesome. I enjoyed that. We'll talk halftime uh, coming up in a little while. It's off the bench. ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Another Sports Center update less than eight minutes away. So, Hunter, favorite commercial from, uh, uh, from the Super Bowl yesterday? Probably the one that got the most reaction from everyone, that Tubi commercial, where you're watching uh, Greg Olson and I forget who the other broadcaster was. Kevin Burkhart. Thank you, Burkhart. And the way that they designed the commercial, they get interrupted by what appeared someone hitting the menu button on your smart TV and then going down to Tubi, which is a streaming app of it's, some sort. Uh, and it's Fox's streaming app. There we go. Fox owns it. And you go in there, and it looks like they're about ready to start watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith or <laughs> a movie or something like that. And the outrage <laughs> of of people was my favorite part after the yeah. Super Bowl was, who, who's got the remote? Right. Like, who changed the channel? Who's trying to watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith? I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I missed that one. Um I watched the two I watched the Tubi commercial with um 
not knowing where it was going, you're seeing like rabbits showing up and yeah. like pulling people out of cars and like I wasn't sure if this was going to be for a, a, a rated R movie or if there was uh, I, I started to figure out eventually that this was for a streaming service. I didn't think it was Tubi. I thought it was going to be Warner Brothers Discovery because Warner Brothers, you think of Bugs Bunny. Yeah. And I'm thinking of like these evil rabbits. So um, it became Tubi. And then they said, you know, going down the rabbit hole of, of entertainment. I was like, wait, it doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense to me. Um, there were some commercials that just did not make a whole bunch of sense. Um, they usually don't. No. My favorite one was the uh, uh, the the uh, P. Diddy uh, Combs Enterprises oh, for yeah. um, um, Uber One. They had Uber executives going to um, you know Combs Enterprises, and they're like, "Yeah, we want to," you know, kind of like insinuating like they wanted a jingle, and 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 Diddy's handlers like, "I don't do jingles," or, or <laughs> Diddy might have yeah. said that right, and then uh, they're like a hit song, and he's like, "I can get you a hit song," and you got. Um, all these artists, Cindy Lauper and others, trying to do hit songs for Uber One. Even the guy, um, oh, who is it? You know the song "What Does the Fox Say"? Yes. Yeah, I don't even know who the artist is for that, but you had the two guys dressed up as foxes, trying to do their version of "What Does the Fox Say" for uh, for Uber One, yeah. and then he told him to stop, <laughs> which is which is great. Yeah. Um, that was my favorite. There weren't a lot that I was like, oh, there was one other one that I liked, low-key liked. It was the uh, the Blue Moon commercial mm. where you had the Miller Lite guy and the Coors Light guy fighting over one another. It's a Miller Lite ad. No, it's a Coors Light ad. And they're both fighting, and all of a sudden, no, it's a Blue Moon ad. And nothing else is said. Just see the glass of Blue Moon on the bar, and the commercial's over. Yeah. Tanner mentioned the uh, the Breaking Bad popcorn chips one was fantastic. O- almost a word-for-word remake of some famous lines from uh, from Breaking Bad uh-huh. with Jesse Pinkman and Walter White. And then, of course, uh, Tuco Salamanca later on. For uh, fans of the show, like myself, I, I-, I love that. It's super memorable because okay. they-, they made it like the, the product that – the sh- that the commercial was presenting the Breaking Bad guys created illegally, which was really huh. creative. Yeah, I, you know, how much do you watch com- watch the game now? I got about twenty seconds. How much do you watch the game for commercials now? Uh, I do because that's what my non sports friends <laughs> focus on. Okay, that's how I relate to them. Because now they're like, you can just watch the commercials before the game. Like they just put it out and you Ooh. can watch them out online and stuff like that. I don't do that, um, the, but it, it takes it away from the one review of the, is kind of fun. Yeah, you're waiting for it to get su- surprised, right? You're not paying seven million dollars to have your commercial watched before the game. Although no. I do have a theory on that. More on that after Sports Center. It is off the bench. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, ESPN, Honolulu, 92.7 FM, 1420 AM. Thank you so much for allowing us in here uh, on this Monday. We're here with you all week. Uh, Wednesday, Elimale McFarlane is going to be here. 
uh, 3.30 Wednesday afternoon. She'll be in studio uh, with the two of us, so I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll pick her brain. Um, Friday, uh, we'll be at baseball, uh, Les Murakami Stadium, for opening nights, Hawaii and Wright State. Although, man, I was looking at the weather forecast um, for uh, – I, I, was, I was looking at the weather forecast for opening weekend, and uh, it is not good. Mm-hmm. It is uh, – uh, let's just put it that – put it this way. Uh, National Weather Service earlier today put out a thing regarding um, uh, weather, wet weather expected throughout the week. And that's kind of what we're expecting here is wet weather throughout the week kind of getting worse actually going into Friday and Saturday. Um, I'm just going to pull up uh, – uh, the Weather Channel, uh, just because uh, uh, you know Bob Coolen and I, we love the Weather Channel. Uh, that's our that's our go tos because we are diamond sports people. So uh, we have to have the Weather Channel ready. Ten day forecast uh, calls for not the ad on most affordable camper vans, um, but uh, <laughs> Friday. Yeah, way to know your audience. Friday thunderstorms, chance of precipitation. 85%. Uh, during the day, thunderstorms, potential for heavy rainfall. Uh, at night, cloudy with periods of rain, potential for heavy rainfall. Rainfall about quarter of an inch. Uh, that's Friday. Saturday. You can, you can scroll up on the screen now. Uh, rain in the forecast. Uh, chance of rain about 64%. Again, rain likely potential for heavy rainfall. Another potential quarter of an inch. But they say it could get better at nights. So uh, Saturday night, yeah, we might have to call Guy uh, a little bit later. Saturday night, maybe uh, maybe Sunday. Sunday, they say few showers. Okay. Is uh, uh, and then going in next week. Oh, you'll love it. Scattered thunderstorms, thunderstorms, scattered thunderstorms, scattered thunderstorms. Monday through Thursday of next week. Say goodbye to your tans. Yeah, uh, if you had one to begin with. Noting myself, uh, not having one to begin with, but uh, yeah, weather could play a part in uh, University of Hawaii baseball's opening weekend. So we'll be uh, paying attention to that. I'll be here Friday night, and then I jump on a plane at eleven fifty nine fifty nine. Wow. Uh, well, I don't know if it's eleven fifty nine fifty nine. It's eleven fifty nine uh, to fly into LAX and, and and get to Long Beach for uh, uh, for UH men's basketball. And I was I was a little worried. Because at the UH baseball banquet, uh, for the love of the game, which did really well, um, Coach Rich Hill talked about his tropical swarm pitching staff, uh, which is basically, you know, you'll you're not going to have a lot of conventional starting pitchers. You'll see like three three one 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 or three two two one one. We've seen openers now in in uh, in, in Major League Baseball for quite some time in college. In college, I mean, we don't we usually call it like uh, Johnny Holstaff uh, when yeah. we see just the entire staff, you know, be a part of a particular game. And so when I heard that, my first thought was, oh, my flight. <laughs> because, you know, um, I, I I don't have much faith in in three hour games when uh, when when Johnny Holstaff is called upon to uh, to to pitch in a game and I don't know we we haven't heard um, who the opening night starter is we might find that out tomorrow because we've got uh, our, our media availability 
opening night last year, four hours, 27 minutes. Ouch. I would be missing my flight um, for a four-hour, 27-minute game. So I I hadn't really thought of it. I might have to put a a contingency plan together for the end of the game. Um, Could always swim. I can't swim. Ooh. Yeah. Um, no way. No way. Yeah, it's, it's true. Can't swim. Oh, my goodness. You want me to die is what you're saying. <laughs> you want me to drown. We're going to talk Hunter about wants, that a different Hunter time. Hunter wants this show to be solo, apparently, starting Man. next week. I get it. I understand. <laughs> wow. <It's> a- <laughs> Um, but yeah, hopefully everything goes according to plan, Josh. It better the darn game's well gonna go according go to quickly. plan. Quickly, flight's gonna be great. <laughs> it's just gonna be a great week. The flight's always great. Yeah, the flight's not the problem. I sleep and I sleep well. Getting to the flight. Uh, yeah, getting to the flight's the getting problem. to the flight. Yeah, uh, just making sure I get there before the doors close. Speaking of rain, that would uh, put a damper on UH continuing to uh, add to their run and shoot. Excellent. Ah, well played, well played. Because uh, yeah, we're gonna get into that. Yeah. In fact, you're 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 already there. Um, we've seen the rain and the wind. Oh, yeah. kind of impact that. Some might ask, well, why should the rain and the wind impact the ability to improve on the run and shoot? It's hard to throw in the rain. That's good point. <laughs> it's really hard to throw in the rain. And uh, now, you should at the Division One level be able to palm a football and throw it whether it's wet dry or damp mm-hmm. however the minute it leaves your hand if there's precipitation wind elements that ball can do a number of things that you weren't intending on it to and the run and shoot is very heavily predicated on being able to control the football in the air right, right. so very yeah it, it, that will affect practice a lot especially if it's coming down hard you know what i noticed on thursday um i know you you weren't there on thursday i was there for like 10 minutes um i hadn't seen this before but um tell me tell me what to make of it or 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 or, or the benefit of it um there was a, a, like a player who obviously was only there just to, you know not in the play but I think in the area where like the linebackers would be, okay. he had a long like stick yeah. with the camera on top of it. Um, I haven't seen that, and, and granted, I haven't been to a lot of practices in my life, but um, I've never seen a player or anybody with that like in the middle of of practice where you're not just like walking through; you're actually going through the plays. I thought that was kind of unique. Yeah, that that was. I was kind of curious what that was about too. We we n- never had anything like that just for contrast sake. Um and he was involved on a play to play perspective which made me to think that it didn't have anything to do with social media or content creation. It had something to do with practice mm-hmm. that's what i was thinking and gathering footage for education because it wasn't on. like an iphone it was no it look, looked like a camcorder almost yeah I and I, I almost wonder if they're able to maybe teach from a defensive side of the football how to recognize offensive line shifting pulling guards things of that nature from from that point of view because the 
the offense is usually, if we're talking about T.C. Ching complex, yeah. usually going towards Diamond Head. Okay. Okay, so headed east right there. The the two cameras that are set up for UH practice, there's one on the north side sideline mm-hmm. and the west end zone. So you hardly ever get the east facing west camera angle. Okay. So I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I, right. I don't know why um, that that big boom was being incorporated in practice, but maybe they're able to see some things that they normally aren't able to from a little bit higher than players' uh, eye view, if right. that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to figure out is, is – it was like eight what feet are you high, seeing? you know? Yeah, like are you, are, are, are you focusing on line play – is it focusing on offense, focusing on defense? The only other thing I could think of is if um, there's RPO incorporations, and um, you know you're 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 keeping an eye on mesh and, and all that stuff. I'm yeah. not sure. That's the only thing I could really think of um, out, outside of hey, you know we we're evolving and we're finding new ways to get good video angles to be able to teach. And uh, anytime you can try to be innovative in that, and it works, uh, that's good. Absolutely. What are What are you looking for now, um, going into into week two? Actually, before you answer that, it is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Um, how much closer? Because I remember the first day we talked about spring practice last week. Today was a day off. Um, you know, at least one person understands today should be a national holiday, and that's uh, that's Coach Timmy Chang. Um. How much closer has the offense gotten to the defense since we first talked about spring practice on day one? Because I think, you know, we had said, you know, the offense was, it, it, it looked as good as you can expect on day one, incorporating the run and shoot. But the defense was still ahead of the offense, which I think was kind of the same way last year. Mm. Um, but ha- from from what we've seen in week one of spring, has the offense gotten any closer? Has it, has it kind of like tightened in how close the offense is getting to how, how, synergistic the defense is so yeah i i know that's kind of the general belief is that the the defense is ahead of the offense Uh we're going to see a shift and i feel like it's already starting to happen i mentioned this to a few of the guys at practice that uh the run and shoot is designed to score points it's designed to get the ball down the field and be very very productive the defense is not used to getting their butt kicked in the way that the run and shoot creates itself to do so. Uh-huh. And so the the trash talking, the uh, competitive advantage that maybe the defense has felt slighted in their favor this last fall is not going to be there any longer with the addition of the run and shoot. And so I... I'm already starting to see it in the the practice just in the later part of this past week. And I think it, we will only see more with uh, more game-like environments, more uh, full contact periods, which usually start to ramp up toward middle, end of spring. Braden Shager is obviously going to get more of those reps to create a game-like environment. That'll be the truest display of what we're gonna what we're gonna see come come season time right um i think the other thing i'll ask you as we get a little closer in here uh with with practice returning tomorrow um 
what are you expecting here in, in, in week two? Yeah, I, I, I see much more install, a, a much deeper dive into the full playbook of the run and shoot. I, it was still pretty uh, just dipping their toes in with, with a few of the, the calls that were being made. It was generally the, the same from what I saw on Monday to what I saw on Friday as well. Still looking for some upper-level reads from the QBs and uh, Timmy kind of peppering in some different looks that th- th- this is the, the best – opportunity for them to learn and to get ready before fall camp which gets them ready for this season right so they need these reps to get equated with this new offense um and so all of that from routes on air routes to the receivers seven on seven uh full-on 11 on 11 full contact periods all of that needs to be built into a spring so that the team is ready to play in the fall we'll be paying attention we try to bring you hawaii football uh to a degree some sort of hawaii football conversation every day i believe um despite our super bowl uh what was it our super bowl storyline a day we did not do well on that but i think we were six for six for uh for for hawaii football on a daily conversation so. i'm pretty sure We've we've accomplished that because who's Hunter Hughes? Well, he knows <laughs> something about Hawaii football. So, who is Hunter Hughes? The guy that danced with New Day in a <laughs> WWE ring. Uh, let's get our M Dyer Global scoreboard in. It's brought to you by M Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, college basketball, uh, good one right now on ESPN Television. Texas Tech, uh, you know that team is two and ten in the Big Twelve. They've got a thirteen point lead on uh, sixth-ranked Texas with 18-26 to play. Texas Tech has been ahead in this game all game long. And so... Uh, field advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, elsewhere in college basketball, number nine, Baylor. This one's on ESPN2, 16-37 to go. This is part of Big Monday. Baylor, 44-37 lead on West Virginia. 15th-ranked Miami holds off North Carolina, 80-72. In the NBA, uh, 102 to go fourth quarter. Orlando, a 191 lead on Charlotte. 18 seconds left in OKC. The Thunder trailing New Orleans 101-98. And they're just underway in Golden State. Uh, the Warriors 13-12 lead on Washington. 7.30 to go in the first half. Uh, that Gary Payton trade uh, did happen, but he's not expected to play for another month. Junior. Yeah, Gary Payton Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they really wanted him. So they're willing to make the trade and wait for a month uh, yeah. to have him ready for the postseason. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global, always on the move. Traffic here, uh, I think we got to go back to the big game. I think that's uh, uh, been on our plan. Uh, we will do that coming up in just a little while, including the Rihanna Super Bowl performance. We'll talk about that coming up next. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. All right, coming up, uh, Rihanna, that halftime performance. Yeah. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, let's get a couple texts in here. Uh, Brennan asks, any update on that Navy quarterback that walked on? Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been doing actually really well. He is the only dual threat option that we have on the roster right now. Okay. Uh, the, the one thing that has... Uh, 
I think is fair to say plateaued a little bit is his uh, his arm strength. And I think that's just getting used to the run-and-shoot drop back. Which, and by the way, Dalen Morris is his name, by the way. Yep, thank you, Dalen Morris. Um, the drop back and the, the run-and-shoot, you are forced to flow left or right. And so for a lot of QBs, it's contrary to how you've been groomed your entire life and all of the fundamentals that you've um, choreographed and is second nature. You're kind of breaking that mold, and it's uncomfortable for people. And so um, I can see him kind of struggling with some of those um, little nuances in the run to shoot. But really, really great guy and plays really hard. One more. This is from the 224. If the run and shoot is such a great offense, why isn't it used more at the college or professional levels? Is it because it gets nullified with better pass rushers and defensive backs? Or maybe because offenses with a stronger ground game use up more clock and keep the opposing offense off the field more? Uh, I think it's still niche enough that there's not a lot of coaches that understand it enough to fully believe in it and own it as their offense because – you have to completely reimagine how you run your team from an institutional level, from the top all the way down. The way you pass changes, the way you run changes, the way you block changes, um, the way you recruit changes, uh, the, the way that you run your team. Uh, a lot of times those June teams were a little skinnier. Their offensive lines were not as beefy and bulky because you have to run that much that much more you have to be well um uh conditioned so so much of how you run the team is based off of the type of offense you're going to run it is off the bench here on espn honolulu at 92.7 fm and 1420 a.m um we'll get to rihanna halftime in a moment uh sports centers on the way here in just a little bit do want to remind people that uh, our Valentine's Day giveaway uh, presented by Hawaii Dental Service continues. We're giving away a prize every day until Valentine's Day. And today, we're giving away a two-night staycation at Ohio Waikiki. Visit our Instagram at ESPN Honolulu to enter to win. Not only are we going to talk about Rihanna and halftime, uh, Tiger Woods is coming back. Yes, sir. And um, I, what I'm curious about, because there's always going to be hype around Tiger, I think, for a number of reasons. But do we watch Tiger differently when we find out he's playing in a tournament like you know before it would be about okay we want to see tiger win is it tiger versus the field all that stuff are we watching tiger woods differently when he's making the announcement that he's going to play in an event we'll talk about that uh coming up on the other side as well traffic sports center on the way it's off the bench espn honolulu Hey, not to look ahead too much, Saturday, February 25th, senior night for University of Hawaii men's basketball. Just announced it is going to be a whiteout night uh, for that game. Free shirts for the first 3,000 fans uh, when you get there. But honestly, you should be wearing white. You, you don't, you don't, 3,000 free shirts are a bonus. That's right. You should be wearing white if it's whiteout. Right. Uh, that game is a 5 o'clock tip, remember, because it's uh, been moved up because ESPN2 is picking up the game as part of the uh, Big West wild card package. Nice. So uh, 4 o'clock, countdown to tip off, uh, 5 o'clock tip 
for uh, Hawaii and UC Irvine. That's a, a, a week, almost two weeks away, uh, February 25th. But you can never plan too early for uh, for that particular night. So uh, we'll hope to see you there. If you can join us there uh, here on uh, uh, here on ESPN Honolulu or at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. We've spent a lot of time on the game, you know, yesterday's one, uh, Super to. Bowl 57. We've deviated a little bit here and there. We've gotten some local stuff in. We've had some people asking who Hunter Hughes is. And we've had some people um, forget that Gary does not host the pregame show anymore. I do. Um, uncomfortable to be mixed up with Gary Dickman. Uh, we talk so differently. But um, we didn't get to the halftime show from uh, from last night. Rihanna at halftime. Your uh, your takeaway, your rating from uh, from the halftime show. Eight. Out of ten, I'm assuming. Eight out of ten. Okay. The uh, not quite acrobatics, but the commitment mm -hmm. to being somewhat forty feet off the ground, at on least that, on that floating plasma screen. It almost looked like right. Um, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> that looked scary. Yeah. Um, and. She's now, pregnant. Now seeing that she's pregnant, <laughs> I was man. The w w when you look at some of the historical Super Bowl halftime performances, uh, the Michael Jackson stunt doubles are way up on top of the stadium, yeah, doing little dances and stuff. Um, Lady Gaga comes floating in on that trapeze sort of a deal, right? Um, they they pull out all the stops for the Super Bowl for sure. The, this one was unique, where this thing was being held up by seemingly just four cables on the edges. Yeah, it didn't look all that secure in my mind. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a dome; you don't have a whole lot of wind to worry about. That that's the kind of stuff I'm looking at. But it seemed to be kind of open because there was that shot toward the end where you could see the fireworks outside so it wasn't from inside right so yeah. it wasn't complete it doesn't seem like it was completely closed up yeah um or maybe it was slightly open just for the halftime show i'm not sure um, now now that the news came out after the super bowl that she is in fact pregnant and uh, still went up and did what she did it's pretty awesome yeah yeah um i i changed my rating okay yeah what's yours i initially gave it a 6 Maybe a seven, just because I felt like I was missing something. Um, you know, the music was good. You know, the the uh, the soundtrack was good. Uh, I had respect for the platform part, so I had it about a six or a seven. Okay. Um, not being bad, just you know, being being good. It's not on that on that great scale. And then the two things. One, um, I remember my wife asking, "Is she pregnant?" And I wasn't sure, and then I, I I didn't Google it. I don't know why. Then I think I I think I said I, there was a point in one of the songs. I think it it was the uh, shine shine bright like a diamond. Yeah, yeah. And she had her hand by her belly, almost kind of reminding people in case they didn't know. Hey, I got one coming. Mm. Um, so that kind of started turning for me, and then the platform. Um, they had the sky cam up. For that, for That's that right. view that was kind of coming up, and unless you had that close view, you wouldn't have seen that platform kind of wobbling a little bit. Um, 
and she didn't move. She didn't flinch. She kept going. She was solid in her vocals. She was confident standing there. Um, she did her thing. The dancers were doing their thing on their own platforms as as, as they were going. One and of them almost fell off, by the way. I missed that. Oh, my gosh. Really? It was close. Yeah. Like, almost fell off backwards. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Which they're wearing that bright white uh-huh. outfit, right? That would have and, been unfortunate and watching they that thing fall. There was no cabling to support them. No. She, she was uh, tethered. Okay, I didn't. I didn't notice her tether. She was tethered. Like uh, it was the same coloring as her red jumpsuit. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. But <laughs> well, it. Well, like, good. She was tethered up, but at the same time, one of those cables could have snapped. It's still a, yeah. a serious commitment to yeah. go for it like that. Yeah. And um and and the other reason why I had it lower previously was because I'm so used to a halftime performance having a special guest. Mm. Um. You know, if you have, you know, last year you had so Eminem, I think you had Mary J. Blige to go along with Snoop and, and, and Dr. Dre, 50 Cent uh, was was part of it. You had a lot of special guests. We've seen Coldplay with special guests. Um, Bruno. Bruno, yeah. Brought the Red Hot Chili Peppers That's out. That's right. By yeah. the way, um, commercial that made my honorable mention was the Red Hot Chili Peppers commercial thanking Canada. Mm. For uh, poutine, for football, for uh, the for irons, yeah. for uh, for all sorts of things, and and it was and, and it was a Crown Royal commercial. Yeah. Um, and at the end, you see the Crown Royal banner, and then you see uh, uh, Dave Grohl in what looks like a Crown Royal bag yeah. just around him. Uh, oh, did I say? I, oh yeah, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Oh gosh, and I and I love Foo Fighters, and I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. How could I do that? It happens. Um, but I loved that commercial. I, that was that was my I'm runner sure up. Pedro from Big Island will call in to uh, express his disappointment. He but will. We're moving on. He will. Um, how could I musically not remember that and uh, also uh, not be able to twirl my my cymbals as well as I should have way back when in, in my in my days as a musician? Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I, I thought there would be someone that would would jump in um, as some kind of special guest with their song or, or something together, and there wasn't. And then, so I was kind of judging it a little bit based on that. It didn't have the star power of other um, halftime acts. And then I just kind of smartened up and was like, you know, it didn't have it, but she's pregnant. And she's putting herself in a pretty dangerous position yes. by being up on a platform that's a little wobbly, not just coming down on the platform to begin, but then going back up on the platform at the end. And then the other part was, if I'm on that platform, I don't know about you, because I'm afraid of heights, um, I am not looking up. Mm. I'm looking straight down and freaking myself out over how far down the ground is. <laughs> The fireworks are going off um, at the end of their performance, and you know after she says uh, "Thank you, Phoenix" and whatever, she's looking up at all the fireworks and kind of in awe of that. And for me, I'm like, I wouldn't, I couldn't do that. Couldn't do I, it. Yeah, I'd get nauseous pretty fast uh, looking up at all that while standing on this very wobbly platform. Um, you know, trying not to lose my freaking mind over where I am at that point in time. Well. 
whenever you are trying to find your balance, the last thing you do is look straight up. Right, right. It's very hard to get footing whenever you're looking straight up in the air. Right. You you naturally will try to look down at where your feet are mm-hmm. and try to gather yourself. So she must have spent some time on that platform. Maybe not Gotta have. at that height, but uh, to get used to the footing and what that must have felt like. Because I didn't hear one little you know voice jump or anything like that. Uh, not quite the level that... You know, Josh reached whenever he did the, the whoop <laughs> earlier in whoop! the show. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah, there yeah. it is again. Yeah, that was bad. Um, usually whenever, you know, you've got a little hiccup if you've kind of lost your footing. She was sure-footed the whole time. It was awesome. There were there was one point that I was curious about. Um, and I don't know if it was just the camera work was not synced correctly or something. But there was a point where um, I forget after what song it was, but she was walking – on ground level to another platform and the camera cuts and she's got like um one of the dancers hands her uh, like what looks like a, a a makeup thing or a powder thing and she's like 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 dapping her face a little bit yeah and then the other person gives her the microphone back i'm not sure if that was supposed to be seen um or if that was part of the the um the halftime performance to to kind of show it. Uh, I thought that was a little weird because we normally don't see something like that in halftime yeah. performance. I I also the, the the real spectacle to me is that they are able to put this huge stage out there every time they do a huge halftime show. Get that thing cleared out and all of the extras and all the people because it's a full on high level concert in the mm-hmm. middle of a football game mm-hmm. and then they have to play the football game afterwards too with this one the stage was floating so it was a little less work for them to but you still had a portion of it that was was on the I ground guess. yeah but considering the field is not very good yeah um, a lot of times when you have concerts at like baseball stadiums for example yeah um they'll have a stage out in center field and then they got to go replace the grass or um, or sod or whatever it is, um, that's not good. Yeah, because um, it's weighing down on the grass. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Now this is granted for a short period of time, but on a on a grass that was already not great. Not like there's anything you could do. Um, but I'm sure that didn't help for that you know 10 15 minutes that all of that was was on the field. Um, that field, and we haven't spent a lot of time on it. But that field was at times pretty atrocious. Yeah, and Arizona's very unique in that that field can be retractable. It literally right. can go underneath the stadium all the way outside. Get some sun. To get 100% sun and then go all the way back inside. It's pretty cool to see that on a time lapse too, by the way. Yeah. Um, but throughout the game, people were slipping all over the place with – you know if it's Super Bowl time, their cleats are brand new and ready to go. Yeah. So it was by no fault of their cleats that they're slipping. So And it happened to many people. And what's sad about it is they spent a lot of money on it, but they've had issues prior. That uh, Fiesta Bowl game, uh, TCU, mm. uh, oh gosh, TCU Michigan, I think it was. That game also had issues uh, with that field, same stadium. And, um, you know, I, I if you can't get it right after getting it wrong yeah. five weeks prior, yeah. 
then I kind of feel like that leads me to wonder, like, you know, what didn't you do? I mean, that's a good system that you have for being able to roll out the grass, get it some sun, and then bring it back in. But to have, to, but to mess it up like that, I, I know it's been cooler, um, you know, across the country, even in the West. Um, that that can't happen to me. I would take that. That is so bad. I would take Phoenix out of Super Bowl rotation. Wow, that's um, a statement. I know. I know it's Vegas next year, and that's going to be inside of the Legion. Um, That'll be but good. I would. Yeah, I think it would be good. I. And yet, retractable field, yeah. But you know, it's um, not like basketball. Like the Final Four, it's a different surface than the rest of the tournament. It's, it's elevated. It's that elevated, thing. which I hate. Yeah, but at least whenever you're playing basketball, wood has a little give to it. Whenever you're running, uh huh. Football grass fields should not have give to it. I'm curious, like how heavy that structure is where the field actually sits on. Yeah. I'm curious what that must be like running around and feeling like is is there a hollow feeling to it underneath because it's it's not a permanent structure. You also noticed one team had specific trouble with it and another team didn't just based on the amount of times I think it was Philadelphia changed their cleats especially yeah. Jalen Hurts did and Kansas City really didn't. You could see on Philadelphia's side there was a whole stack of cleats. I mean I'm sure Kansas City had a few guys who did but it just wasn't the same. Um, as far as how they handled the uh, that really, I guess, uncomfortable field. I guess you could put it that way. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts from the show when we come back, including Tiger. He's back this week, but how is your viewing of Tiger Woods uh, a little bit different than maybe what it was previously? There is some developing news, by the way, from Michigan State that we're going to tell you about here in a moment. Uh, there is an athletics component to that. You might have heard uh, some scary news there on a, uh, on a um, campus shooting there and the effects potentially on uh, on athletics there uh, that coming up call the coach with charlie wade is a week from tomorrow we will have it at ruby tuesday in the moana lewis shopping center at 6 p.m come by and join us meet coach wade talk about rainbow warrior volleyball and win some prizes that's next tuesday here on espn honolulu we'll close things out coming up next it's off the bench right now traffic All right, final thoughts today. Tigers coming back. Um, how do we uh, how do how, how do we uh, take that in this time around? That's coming up in just a little bit. There's some uh, developing news here from Michigan State, where uh, there have been allegedly two different shootings on campus. Uh, there's a three now. Is it three? Uh, multiple. Let's let's call it multiple. Um, there are rumors of more, but let's let's call it um, what we know of as as multiple shootings on the uh, Michigan State campus. Um, what is being told right now is um, police are stressing students not to go to class tomorrow or not to go to campus in general tomorrow. Um, and uh, reportedly, all campus activities are canceled for the next 48 hours. Oh, man which would impact uh, men's basketball at home, uh, tennis at home. And I would imagine uh, they probably won't let the women's basketball team travel uh, to Purdue next Wednesday. But that is such a scary, scary scene going on uh, there on campus. And our thoughts to uh, to everybody there. There is video that is circulating right now um, that uh, – 
that is going around. Uh, there is a suspect that is being uh, uh, described now. It is, um, yeah, it's it's very scary. I know they're going to have a, a press conference coming up here um, at the top of the hour. Uh, Michigan State University Police and Public Safety. I mean, a news conference and tonight's on-campus active shooting. So uh, we should get an update there. But uh, really uh, distressing situation uh, happening there on campus and uh, and our thoughts with those there. Yeah, absolutely. It's it never something you want to see anywhere, but especially on a on a school campus where yeah. you're trying to you know better the world through through education. So. Absolutely. Um, I know we'll have updates on our sister station CBS fifteen hundred. There'll be a news update coming up at the top of the hour, and I'm sure they'll have a, a little more information on that. Uh, not easy to, to, to segue off of that. Uh, we will have the Brotherhood Pride Tradition and Excellence coming up here in about nine minutes. Uh, I believe Dan Hale is going to be there. Now a back-to-back uh, state basketball uh, championship coach for the St. Louis Crusaders. They won over Campbell on Friday night. So uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be good to hear coming up in a little while. Uh, final thought today. It's on Tiger. Uh, he announced last week uh, he's coming back to the Genesis Open. This is his. Um, you know, he's uh, he's passed up other opportunities, but he's coming back. I, I'm curious for you, Hunter. You are our resident golf guy yep. on this show. I am the resident casual golf guy. Um, Tiger comes back. You're going to watch. So... When you watch, like, what are you watching for? How are you watching Tiger? Is there, like, an angle you are watching Tiger for? Because I know in the past, I mean, hey, we you know, we talk about Tiger and major championships and, and, and the fear of Tiger Woods on the course. Yep. Is it different now? So the, it's definitely shifted into more of an appreciation aspect because of his recent health yeah. debacles with his, his leg and – Back in 2008 with his knee and, you know, the back injuries, the dude's been resilient right. to the, the nth of that word. Um, but from the beginning of Tiger Woods' career, he has always said he does not enter tournaments just to play. He enters tournaments to win. Still, to this day. And the fact that he won the 2019 Masters yeah. proves he still can do it. Right. So it still keeps that hope, that dream, that belief alive that... This guy still believes he can go out there and win and is still chasing Jack Nicklaus. And he is one of those all-time great athletes in the history of sports. You, you cannot deny that. And anytime he laces them up, if you will, people are going to watch. Um, I watch a little bit differently, I guess, than you do. Um, I want to see him play a full weekend and not have a limp, um, yeah. not struggle. I, I want to see him healthy. Um, I could. I, I don't care if he wins at this point. He's won a lot. Yeah. He has nothing to prove to me. Um, you know, if, if he does win, great. It'll just be icing on the cake. Sure. But I, I want to just see him healthy for four rounds. Uh, I want to. I want to see that golf swing, uh, which is what I think many people fell in love with when watching him play golf. Is that just smooth, smooth swing that had so much torque into it, which really didn't help his. Uh, his injury issues, but um, I, if he can play for four rounds, make the cut, and, and be in maybe the second page of the leaderboard, I'd be happy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, any time he plays before April, it's a warm-up for Augusta. Yep. That, that's really all that it is. Uh -huh. It'd be icing on the cake if he won. He Honestly, I'd 
if he was really honest, doesn't expect to win. It's to get himself prepared to play in the Masters in April. Yeah, you know that's going to be coming soon if he can keep himself healthy. Don't forget, uh, the really big road show, Growler Hawaii, will be there a week from Wednesday. Bob Coolin and more are our guests. We'll have prizes and more to give away. That's next Wednesday, 5 to 7, right here on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up next, it's the Brotherhood, Pride, Tradition, and Excellence. We'll see you tomorrow.